Well, welcome to those of you watching On Demand. Um, we are in week two of a four-week series that we're calling Recapturing the Wonder That Is the Church. Last fall, uh, as a church, we launched a, cap, uh, a campaign called Bless. And we're at just about the halfway mark of that campaign. And so we are uh, right now uh, doing a reminder and a call to reach our goal for that campaign. And, and so we're calling it Bless and Strong. And we're asking our, our, our Five Oakers, people who call Five Oaks their home, to prayerfully consider how they might contribute to that, especially those who maybe haven't had a chance yet to contribute. We're going to need around 75, 80, 85 more families uh, to participate. Uh, it's been a challenge. Uh, we launched this right in the middle of, uh, of COVID, as you can imagine, to get the message out. And uh, we've seen all the big changes that have been happening all around the building, and we want to see it all the way to the end. So we're, we're asking you to prayerfully consider uh, how you might give to that. Uh, Last year when we launched Bless, we did a sermon series about how we can bless individually, as families, households, how it is that we can bless the people around us, our neighbors near and far, neighbors around the church and all of that. And this year, we're coming at it from a little bit of a different angle and we're asking the question, how can we bless uh, our neighbors as a church? How do we do that together? And the angle is a, a little bit of a different angle in doing this because what we're, what we're doing is we're, we're trying to recapture and rekindle the wonder of what it is to be the church, to be the church of God, God's church, God's people. And uh, as we rekindle that, capture that idea, uh, we think that it, it flows out in the kind of life as a church, as a community that blesses the people that come to Five Oaks and the people that we reach out to uh, in various ways. So um, if, uh, if you're new with us, just to, just to let you know, normally we, you know, mo most of the time we work our way through books of the Bible. This is more of a vision series and so not as much of an expository series through a book of the Bible. But we still open our Bibles. So because understanding the Bible and your purpose in life doesn't have to be a mystery, I want to encourage you to open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. We have Bibles in the seat rack in front of you. Those of you who are at home can go run and grab a Bible. Uh, press pause because you're watching this on demand. And go get a Bible ready. Romans chapter 12. Those of you who are here, there are Bibles in the seat rack in front of you. And if you're using a tablet or a uh, phone or some other kind of device, we are using the new international version so you can follow along. So before we jump into the sermon today, we're going to pray as we do always for God the Holy Spirit to illuminate His Word to us and empower us to do it. And this prayer is based on Luke chapter 19, so please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, before we knew we needed you, you came for us through Jesus, your Son. Even when we are far from you, you're calling us to yourself. You seek us and you see us. You welcome us again and again. And out of your love, you have called us to love. As we look to the truth in your word, we ask that you would guide us by your Holy Spirit, open our eyes and our hearts 
and give us understanding. Teach us to love like you do so that others might see and know you. Father, we thank you for the opportunity um, that our that we had today uh, through our journeyman's ministry, our men's ministry, as uh, 50, more than 50 people gathered together to renew someone's house, uh, the exterior, the, 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 the yard uh, in St. Paul, the opportunity to just bless someone through a day of, of work, of focused work together, Father. We thank you for the leaders of that ministry. Uh, we thank you for Hearts and Hammers organization that we partner with, partnered with. Uh, and we thank you for that family. And we pray that she would be uh, blessed by uh, what was done today and more than anything that she would give thanks uh, to you because uh, we did it because of you and only because of you. We thank you and uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, one of the things that our staff does every week, we, we gather in here in the worship center, the entire staff once a week for a meeting that we call the weekly. We do it on Tuesday mornings at 10 in the morning. And at that meeting, we always start with celebrations. And so celebrations are just, hey, something that happened in your small group, a conversation you had between services, something that happened at one of the events, something that happened over with the students' ministry, kids' ministry, those kinds of things. And there's always five, six stories, and it just kind of, it, it's, it's so encouraging and so much fun uh, to hear those stories. And so a few weeks ago, one of our staff members shared about, in the celebrations time, uh, about a conversation that she had with members of Five Oaks, fairly new in the last two years to Five Oaks. And the conversation had to do with when they first came to Five Oaks. And so this person, this Five Oaker, was saying that when they first came, what happened was they had moved to Minnesota or to this area, and they had done a little bit of research about churches. They were going to find a home church, and they put together a list, and they started you know, going to all the various churches that were on their list. And Five Oaks was on the list, and there came a Sunday when Five Oaks came up, and they came. They were warmly greeted at the door, and they came, and they sat down, and they said, during the greeting time, something strange happened, or it felt really strange to them, because uh, back in the day before COVID, when we used to actually shake each other's hands during the service, ask a question, and have a little bit of discussion, uh, they said that as everybody stood up to do the greeting, everybody around them turned in other directions, and nobody talked to them. And so they stood there, and they said, it was, it was just... You know, that can happen. I think anybody realizes that can happen. But she said it felt like they had put on a cloak of invisibility and nobody had noticed them. But they held out hope that maybe after the service someone would welcome them, say, hi, you look new here. You know, that kind of thing, besides the people at the door. And uh, when the service was over, everybody turned and left and they looked around and nobody spoke with them and they worked their way through the commons and nobody spoke with them. They went all the way to their car. When they got to the car, they looked at each other and they said, you know, scratch that one. <laughs> We're never coming back to Five Oaks. And so a couple of weeks later, they finished their list and it was time to determine, okay, you know, who are we going to give, where are we going to go for, you know, a second visit to, um, to really make a good decision? And uh, as they were thinking about that, she said, 
it was almost as if a voice in her head said, go to Five Oaks. And she didn't want to go to Five Oaks. She didn't like Five Oaks <laughs> from her experience. So she didn't say anything, and they're talking about it, but she keeps getting this sense, go back to Five Oaks, go back to Five Oaks. She finally told her husband, she said, I can't, I can't let it go. I just really feel we're supposed to go back to Five Oaks. And he looked at her, she said, she, he looked at me as if I were, you know, a two-headed monster, that he couldn't believe that she was saying that. But she said, I really think we're supposed to do it. So they came back, they came through the doors, they were greeted, friend, you know, friendly greeting again, they sat down, and then the greeting time came. Everybody stood up, and three people turned and started talking to her husband, and one person turned and started talking to her. And uh, she said, uh, during that time, you know, they, they had a really nice conversation. After the service, the person that was talking to her turned back to her, asked her some more questions. She shared her experience the first time that they were at Five Oaks, and this person was appalled and was kind of like, that's not Five Oaks. Like, I'm so sorry that that happened to you, and spent the next 10 to 15 minutes talking about how she can connect, and then said, listen, we have this pizza thing, and it's happening today. And so they went in to pizza with the pastor, uh, and by the end of that, they laughed, and they looked at each other, and they said, we think that we found our church home. All right, so um, this week, I get a phone call from a good friend that lives in another state. He, many of you know him because he went to here to church for years, and then they're their family moved several years ago. And he calls periodically, and we have conversations. He didn't know what I was preaching on. He didn't know what I was preaching on today. But out of the blue, he said, hey, Henry, you know, we've been attending this smaller church, and uh, we've already found some ways to get involved, and we're serving in the church. But they are not a very friendly church. It has been really difficult to break into that church. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm, I'm smiling in my mind. I'm like, he's going to give me a story. And uh, sure enough, he said, um, he said it, was, it was terrible. And he says, you know me, I, that doesn't matter to me. I'm going to kind of work my way in. But it has really bothered my wife, and it's been a real hurdle. Uh, but we stuck with it. Just a couple of weeks ago, one of the leaders got up in the church service and said, you know, this church is made up of a lot of great people. Those of you who are new really ought to try to get to know us. I, I just about, you know... I just about hit the floor, you know, when he said that. And uh, he said, I, I, they just, I, you know, at Five Oaks, you're so intentional. That I just, I don't, I don't get it. But the reality is uh, that just about every week at Five Oaks, we have several families that are our guests for the very first time, that are here for the very first time, never darkened our doors before. We're not a megachurch. Uh, we are a medium-sized church, and barely, if ever, a week goes by that we don't have someone that comes and is checking out Five Oaks. We don't know what their stories are. We find out later what their stories are. I just told you one of those stories, but we hear other stories. Sometimes the people that walk through the door on any given week haven't darkened uh, the doors of a church for years. Maybe they grew up in church, but they haven't darkened the doors of a church for years, and there's all kinds of reasons why they didn't. Uh, sometimes they have never attended church hardly at all, maybe for some funerals, maybe a few times when they were little, but they haven't attended church at all. Uh, some have never attended a church like this that teaches uh, 
teaches the Bible and sings in worship. They maybe have just been to something else that just didn't quite feel like this. But they woke up on that morning and they determined today, for some reason, I'm going to go to church and give a church a chance. And they walk in through our doors. Other times, it's just someone, like this one couple, they've moved to the area, they miss their church community, and they're hoping to find something approximate to what they had, certainly some place where they can connect with people so that they can have some of the friendships that they had before, in addition to some learning and ability to, you know, gather together with other Christians and, and worship. So, every single week, as people come through our doors, the stakes are high on either end. You know, whether they are searching for God, giving church another try, or trying to find another church family after leaving their church family, the stakes are extremely high. Eugene Peterson, who translated the message translation of the Bible uh, and has written you know, dozens of books, he captures the wonder of what we get to do every week when we welcome people into our church. And this is, this is what he writes. He says, being a church member is a vocation, a way of life. It means participation in an intimate web of hospitality, hospitality, living at the intersection of human need and God's grace, inhabiting a community where men and women who don't fit are welcomed, where neglected children are noticed, where the stories of Jesus are told. And people who have no stories, find that they do have stories, stories that are part of the Jesus story. Being a church member places us strategically yet unobtrusively at a heavily trafficked intersection between heaven and earth. Now, when Eugene Peterson wrote those books, you might notice that I put uh, church member in brackets because he wasn't talking about a church member. He was actually talking about his wife, and he was talking about how she describes her job, her vocation, as a pastor's wife. And so when I came across this quote, somebody had taken that and said, you know what? What he writes in there about his wife is really true of every church member, every person who is a part of the church. In this series, we've been asking the question, what if we could help people find their way back to God by being the church that God called us to be? What if by being the church that God called us to be, not a perfect church, we talked about that last week, but by being the kind of church that God called us to be, that we could help people find their way back to God? And in this sermon in particular, what if, what if each of us who call Five Oaks our home understood that God has placed us, to use Eugene Peterson's wife's words, strategically yet unobtrusively at a heavily trafficked intersection between heaven and earth. To be the church that God calls us to be, believers need to recapture the wonder of what the church is and recapture the wonder of what the church can be. The Bible has so much to say on welcoming, um, welcoming each other, welcoming the stranger. It's embedded into so many of the stories of Jesus. Uh, it's actually, if you look at the Old Testament laws, it's embedded into the Old Testament laws 
We're going to have one of our five ochres read to us a couple of passages, short passages, or verses that speak to the whole idea of welcoming and hospitality as a congregation. Let's watch that video now. Romans 12, 13. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Hebrews 13, 2. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. All right. Those are not just words to individuals. Uh, those are words to congregations, to local congregations, especially the one in Romans. Show hospitality is a word to that congregation as to how they should uh, treat one another and how should, they should welcome one another and welcome anyone who is new in their midst. So how do we recapture the wonder of what God has called us to be? So that's what the whole series is about. As I explained last week, this series is one sermon in four parts. And so we're looking at four realizations that recapture the wonder. And last week, we looked at the first one. We get to belong to God's church. That's the first realization. We get to belong to God's church. We looked at the passage in 1 Peter 2.10 that it says, once we were not a people, but now we are the people of God. We talked about the fact that in our new birth, when we're born anew in Christ, when we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're born into a family. We're born into God's family. We talked about the inseparable connection in Scripture between becoming a Christian and belonging to God's church, and that God has, def has designed the Christian life in such a way that we are radically dependent to, to live it out. We're radically dependent on Him, and we're radically dependent on others, and our, those others are a mess. Churches are a mess. Um, just like families are a mess, and yet Jesus makes his home in our mess. And that is part of the wonder of it all. That's part of the wonder of it all. So the second realization is what we're going to be focusing on today. And this realization helps us, again, recapture the wonder of what the church is. And it's this, we get to welcome others to God's church. We get to welcome others to God's church. So in Romans, here's what Paul says to that congregation. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. That's welcoming. Practice hospitality. Now, I want us to leave here today with a grander vision, a bigger vision of what this means to welcome each other. And so we're going to revisit that quote uh, by Eugene Peterson and kind of look at three different aspects of it, uh, what it is that we get to do. It's simply amazing what it is that we get to do every week in welcoming people into the church. So the first, one, first thing is this. When we gather together, we're at the intersection of human need and God's grace, to use that quote. We're at the intersection of human need and God's grace. Right where you're sitting right now, week in and week out, wherever you sit when you come and gather for worship, as you're walking in, when you're leaving here, you're at the intersection of human need and God's grace. Romans 15, 7 says this. It says, accept one another just as Christ accepted you. How did he accept us? He accepted us exactly as we were. 
by his grace, he received us and we received him. And we're in a relationship with him, not because we became good enough. It's only because of his grace, what he did on our behalf on the cross. Now, think of the human needs that walk in here every week. And if you were to say, what is one great need in our society today? What is one of the things that people are struggling with uh, kind of almost universally uh, that walk in through the doors, especially someone who is new? They are suffering from anxiety, just like we are. It's like this is, the, this is the age of anxiety, a sense of isolation in 2018, you know, well before COVID began. Uh, one study showed that 25% of Americans say that they feel isolated. Uh, two years later, 20, uh, 2020, they did the same survey. The number doubled. 50% of Americans feel isolated. And the kind of words that they use for it is they feel unnoticed, they feel like their relationships aren't very meaningful, they feel left out. Like there's these groups and there are these people, but they're on the outside of whatever it is that's happening. And then you add on top of that the polarization that we're experiencing as a country right now. Uh, COVID, I read an article, I don't know how accurate it was, but I read an article just in the last couple of weeks that said COVID brought a lot of nations together. Uh, it did not bring the United States together. It did the exact opposite. It polarized people even more than they were already polarized, and probably it just accelerated the polarization that was already, already happening. And so the authors of a book called Gospel Bound, wonderful, wonderful book, uh, if you want encouragement <laughs> Uh, this is a book just filled with stories and very much worth reading. Um, they, they put it this way. They say, crises can help us remember what's important and draw us together. But what if we're in this together feels like being trapped in an eternal car ride with people who either drive too recklessly or scream every time there's a small bump in the road? The stress can make us want to protect themselves by pulling away even further. That's, that's the world that we live in right now, uh, if you haven't noticed. And it is causing people to pull back even more. And the result is that there are a lot of hurting people disconnected from, from friendships, disconnected from their own families, uh, increasingly being disconnected because they're even afraid. We talked about this a few weeks ago. There's, a, there's like a new secular uh, fundamentalism that if you don't say things in a certain way, if you don't align yourself in a certain way, you get, you get canceled and it happens in high school, it happens in middle school, it happens at work, it happens on the internet, it happens everywhere. And because of that, that's resulting in even more people who are isolated. And at some point in that isolation, people get it in their mind, I, I want to connect, I need to connect, I need some some humans to connect with. And they go all kinds of places to look for that connection. One of the places they sometimes go to, some of those people, they go to a church. And they decide, maybe there I can connect with people. The question is, will they find a place that is welcoming? And will they find a place where they're going to experience God's grace through the people that are there? Accept one another as the Lord has accepted you. Here's the second thing that happens when we gather. 
It has to do with walk under me. You and I get to help people without stories find that they do have stories, stories that are part of the Jesus story. So one of the things that, that we try to major in at Five Oaks is helping people understand the story of God. And we've been doing that for about 10 years now. We're very intentionally through a course that we call the story of God. We encourage as many people as possible to go through it. A couple of years ago, we started a new tradition that at Camp Getaway, which is the high school, the, high, the fall high school camp getaway, uh, two years ago, again this year, and hopefully we'll keep doing that every other year, I go and I present the story of God over the weekend. I, I wind up being the Camp Getaway speaker and we... We focus on what is this story that God is telling and what's our part in that story. So you might say that we, we major in helping people who maybe think they have no stories or maybe are following dead-end stories. We help them uh, discover that they are part of a story. They're part of God's story. So how did this come about at Five Oaks? Well, the story behind that is, um, is pretty long and complicated, but the short version of it is this. It was over a decade ago. Uh, I found that I had, you know, I had bought into an idea that as pastors, we would hear just about every conference that we would go to, uh, that we would you open a book about church and you would read this idea. And I came to buy into this idea to some degree. And the idea was this, your church is filled with people who know the Bible, but just don't live it. They're fat. They're like the Dead Sea. Everything is flowing in, but it's not flowing out, so it's dead. That, that, that was the big idea. And I bought into it, and I started moving more and more in my preaching to application, kind of like this series right now, but that became the norm and less and less on doing what we had done, which is teach the Bible as well as apply the Bible. Uh, so... Uh, that began to change when we began surveying our congregation on just basic biblical knowledge, uh, just the kind of thing you would know if you've read the Bible very much and studied it very much. Not really tough questions, but the kind of thing you would know. About one-third of our folks, five Oakers, were biblically illiterate. They didn't know hardly anything. Uh, another third knew a little uh, so it means two-thirds of our congregation were not, they, they did not fit that description of people. They know the Bible. The problem is, is they're not living it. No, they may not be living it. Uh, they definitely don't know it. And you can't live something that you don't know. <laughs> and so that began a shift in our church. We also took the Reveal study, which was this big study used on tens of thousands of people, hundreds of churches, and at the end of it, so uh, some of you, uh, you know, took the reveal study, a lot of questions, and in the end, you get uh, some, uh, like, this feedback on your church's spiritual vitality. You break it down into all kinds of things. But in the end, they give you a spiritual vitality score, and we were, like, smack dab in the middle. We were, like, average. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, you know, here I'd been at the church probably 12 years or so or, or more, and I'm like, oh, 12 years of experience to, to become average in terms of spiritual vitality. It was a very discouraging study. And um, one of the things that came out of this study, too, was that the most, the people who read their Bible 
daily. Uh, the people who are most devoted in their hearts, they say, I love Jesus. Jesus is the most important in my life, are the people who make the church go. Now, this is a duh conclusion, <laughs> but it's, it's, it actually ran counter to so many things. These are the people that share their faith more often than anybody else. Uh, these are the people that give, not because the church like, has this great vision. They give because they've come to understand what stewardship is about. Uh, they are the people who serve in the church. Uh, it was being said until Reveal came out. Everybody was saying, no, the people who do all those things are the new people who are really excited. Get more new people in your church because they're the ones that are excited. No, it's the people who are reading their Bible every day, who are drawing close to Christ, who have a, a vital relationship with Christ. Then recently I saw this study, and it fits studies I saw as far away, as, as long ago as, as um, 15 years ago and maybe even more. Um, if you, according to this one study, if you take the whole population, if I could have this uh, on the screen right now, I've jumped ahead a little bit. Nope. There's not a take the whole population of the U.S. slide? Okay. All right. If, okay, good. Um, if you take the whole population of the United States and you ask them, are you a Christian? Do you identify as a Christian or not? Okay. Take those who say, yeah, I identify with Christianity. All right. So you've got that whole group of people. I identify with Christianity. Of that whole group of people, 6% hold to what would be just basic orthodox teachings of Scripture. 6% of the smaller number of the United States population. And apply it to their lives. 9% check off all the boxes. But 6% believe what the Bible teaches on basic, basic, fundamental doctrines and apply it to their lives. So, over a decade ago, we developed and we launched our Story of God course. We began focusing on uh, expository preaching, which means working through passages of the Bible. You and I... At Five Oaks, we get to help people without stories find that they do have stories. We get to do this. We help people who don't have stories discover that they do have stories, stories that are part of Jesus' story. Once, once we were not a people, now we are the people of God, and we have this whole history. Biblical history is ours. It belongs to us. Here's a second thing, when we, or maybe the third, when we gather together, we are placed strategically at the heavily trafficked intersection between heaven and earth. We're, we're placed strategically there. In the Lord's Prayer, what is it that Jesus taught his disciples to pray? He said, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then throughout his life and his teaching, he taught us how to live that way because we were to be signposts to the coming of the kingdom in all of its fullness. The kingdom broke in with Jesus, which is the rule of God. And so when he says, pray that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, it's praying for the day when that is done completely, but it's also praying that today in my life, may your will be done as it is in heaven. We're at that intersection between heaven and 
and earth. And it's happening right now. We're at that intersection right now. In reality, we're always at that intersection. <laughs> Everywhere a follower of Christ goes, they go uh, as emissaries of the kingdom. We're always in that intersection. But when we gather together and people are walking through that door that are new, uh, that are searching for a church family or searching for God or anything in between, there is an urgency and there are stakes that are much higher than at maybe any other time except when we have that opportunity to have a conversation about Christ with one of our friends who doesn't know Christ. But here's what happens. Here's the reality. A new person comes in with whatever their story is. Not every church member at Five Oaks gets the urgency of that moment. And we wouldn't expect to. I mean, if you really think about it, if you were a guest, let's say you move someplace and you're looking for a church, I can tell you right now, you ought to give it four or five weeks probably. <laughs> because when I finish talking about what I'm going to talk about right now, it's a wonder that anybody gets greeted the very first time warmly by someone who is not a greeter. <laughs> All right, so uh, not everyone in the church gets that urgency. Different people are at different places on their journey with God, right? I mean, that's, that's what a good church uh, that welcomes people with grace is, and, and helps people right at the beginning of the faith all the way as they grow in the faith, you're going to have people at all different places on the journey. And so not everybody is going to get the whole idea that, hey, there's an urgency in this person that's sitting over here that might be new that I could reach out to and just say hi to and make sure that they feel welcome, that they sense that they are welcomed here with us. Not everybody's going to get that. Even someone who's been on the journey a long time and, let's say, is a mature believer in Christ, the kind of person that I described earlier, read their Bible every day, serve God in every way that they can, um, just really serious about their faith, sometimes they have blind spots. And one of those blind spots might be welcoming people who are new to the church. I mean, my friend, when he told me about that, he said it was one of the elders of the church who stood up and said, we're really great people, and you ought to, if you're new, you ought to try to get to know us. Um, blind spot. I'm not saying that, that, that the guy is a, um, you know, a miniature Christian. <laughs> I'm saying, obviously, you know, wherever he's at, he's, he's like got a huge, gigantic blind spot. Um, anybody walks into our church, they might be sitting around people who are fairly new to the church, who are also sitting there going, is anybody going to welcome me? And I really, I really hope that this is a friendly place. So that, that actually can happen a lot of times. Um, anytime someone walks in, there are people in our congregation who are, and I don't use this word in a negative way, who are distracted by something else. Uh, it's good distractions. Maybe they have a family member who is somewhat disabled and they need to attend to that family member. Um, maybe they have another obligation that they have to get to, so they have to leave quickly right at the end of the service, or they have to go talk to someone, they have to go serve in the children's, or wherever it might be, They've got other obligations. I was last Sunday on my way to pizza with the pastor, and somebody stopped. Um, I saw this couple, and my wife was talking to them, and she says, come on over here and meet, and I met them. And, and ironically, I said, I really can't talk anymore. I hope we get another chance to talk, but I'm going to meet all these new people. <laughs> They're new. 
uh, and uh, I said, you, you are welcome, but, you know, today doesn't work for you. Come another time. And, uh, and they actually walked in about two minutes later into pizza with the pastor. Uh, on any given week, one of, our, one of our members who is normally more than willing to turn and, and, and desirous of welcoming someone is hurting in a very, very deep way. And that day, they're just, they're just needing to soak in being cared for. Uh, there are um, members of our church who know each other. And maybe in small group that week, somebody in their small group shared a prayer request that was a pretty serious prayer request. And what they're focused on after the service is to go to that person and say, hey, how's that thing going? Uh, or there's somebody they haven't connected with in a long time, and their, their first inclination is to go and, and see that. I mean, when you look at all the possibilities of how it is that someone can be missed, it's a wonder that we're not hearing all the time stories like that one. Of course, there probably are a lot of stories that we don't hear, um, although we do ask, we send a survey and tell us, hey, tell us about your experience. We don't hear that very often. So how do we make sure in that reality, how do we make sure that we leverage our strategic position between heaven and earth every time we come together, gather together? How can we, how can we do this? I want to I want to explain it by telling you a story and just a quick application of the story. So uh, Rebecca McLaughlin, that's the uh, picture that was up there. Um, I think it's McLaughlin um, is actually how to pronounce her name. She's one of my favorite communicators. She is uh, an incredible writer. Her articles are always really penetrating. She's written a book called Confronting Christianity, um, and it's called, uh, the subtitle is 12 Hard Questions for the World's Largest Religion. So she's talking about Christianity. There's a youth version of it. That's also outstanding. And she takes on questions like, doesn't Christianity denigrate women? That's one of the chapters. Another one is, isn't Christianity homophobic? Which is interesting because she tells her own story about her own, um, her own inclinations and desires and how um, she's found herself married uh, in spite of, of that to a man and has kids. So... She tells her story in an interview that I just recently read uh, about what happens every, every week in church for her. So she tells it by starting with one particular week where she came into their church gathering and she sat down with her husband and their two kids and she turned around and she looked around as she normally does and she saw a lady standing in the back at, of the church and standing there alone and she'd never seen her before. And so she got some eye contact, and she motioned for her to come and sit with them. To which the woman kind of like, you know, like, what's going on here? And she's like, oh, man, I really messed that up. Uh, I, I just, you know, she was embarrassed, you know. The reaction was obviously, you know, that the weird lady is, trying, is motioning as if she knows me to come and sit with her. And um, she says she was about to just kind of let it go. I'm not going to do that again. But she, she sat there and she was thinking about it. And she's like, what would I prefer? <laughs> that someone come to church and, and leave thinking that church is overly friendly. Or that church doesn't really care about me. And that spurred her on. When that thought came, that spurred her on. She got out of her seat. She went back to this young lady and she said, hey, would you like to come and sit with our family? 
And the young lady said yes, and she came and sat down. She said she did look like she felt a little awkward. After the service, they talked. It was a little kind of forced and a little weird. And that lady left, and she thought once again, boy, I really, really messed up. But that week, she got an email from a pastor. The pastor said, hey, uh, got, I was talking to somebody who visited this week, and they said they just felt warmly welcomed, especially by this European lady who invited, us to, invited me to sit with her family. And so um, Rebecca McLaughlin explained at that point, she's, she's British, if you ever hear her speak. She's British. She lives in Oklahoma. She married a guy from Oklahoma. And, um, and she said, I learned to be really concerned about welcoming people in England, where people like us who believe in the Bible... And, uh, and, you know, kind of in the evangelical tradition coming out of the Reformation uh, are few and far between, maybe 3% of the population. Uh, and people don't go to evangelical churches or churches like ours. They don't go to these kind of churches. Uh, it, it, let's put it this way. It's not socially acceptable to attend a church like ours. The only social acceptable church is either the Anglican church or the uh, Roman Catholic church. She says, so when someone comes through the doors in an English church, in a British church, she says, they're serious. They're serious. Either they're serious about their faith or they're seriously looking for something. And we realize we have this little opening and this is what is at stake. And so she says, my first priority, when I, every time I gather with believers, my first priority is strangers because this might be their one shot to be welcomed into the church. She also explains that about half the time her and her family don't sit together, or her and her husband don't sit together. One of them sits with the kids and, and the other one doesn't because she's always, they're always looking for either someone who is single in a church made up mostly of, of married people, um, someone who is maybe some, from some minority group in a church that is predominantly white, Anglo, and uh, she's always looking for somebody new. And so she'll go and sit with them rather than go sit with her family, which may sound kind of strange, but she says, we do family worship at home every night. So we worship together all the time. So one day we don't always worship together. And then she adds this, the church is a family. And if we can't come close to practicing that on Sunday morning, God help us the rest of the week. I'm not saying that all of us need to be like Rebecca and her family. But I am saying that all of us can share that vision. And the reality is that on any given week, a lot of us are going to be out of commission for all the reasons I listed. We need more and more people who are welcoming people into the church. The wonder, the wonder that we get to do that. We get to be at that intersection. So today, it's not Sunday morning, but Saturday night, uh, we have an incredible opportunity not to let people fall through the cracks. We could be a church that finally welcomes someone on their second, their third, or their fourth visit. Um, in fact, that's, I, I can't remember if it was me or somebody else made a joke when we heard that story. Um, we said we should have it on our, on our website. You will be warmly welcomed on your second visit. Yeah, um, we could be that church, or we can be the church where every one of us when not distracted by life's difficulties, when not engaged directly in helping one of our regular attenders, where every one of us understand that we're part of an intricate 
web of hospitality living at the intersection of human need and God's grace. That we're a people um, where, where we welcome people without stories and let them know that they have a story. They can be part of God's story. And we can be a church filled with people who understand that God is placing us strategically at the, and yet unobtrusively at the heavily trafficked intersection between heaven and earth. We do that by keeping the wonder of what we get to do every time we gather together. Well, we're going to celebrate communion now uh, as part of our response as we respond to God's word together. And we remember um, how it is that God showed that he accepted us and modeled the way. Accept one another as God has accepted you. Jesus came to this earth. He became one of us. And the night he was betrayed, he took the bread of Passover. He ate it and he said, this is my body broken for you. He made us right with him. And took the cup and he said, this is my blood. Drink this in remembrance of me. Father, we thank you that we, um, that we are strategically placed by you in every interaction that we have. That you are setting up interactions, appointments for us uh, in so many ways every single day of our lives and throughout the days of our lives at work, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, with our friends. Help us to be aware of that in all of our lives and help us to be aware of that as we come together, as we gather together. That we would be a welcoming people. Help us to capture the wonder of what that means and how we can bless people by doing that. Father, help us to, to live with your vision as our vision every single day. And I pray for anybody here today who has not received the grace that you offer through Jesus, that they would take a step closer towards you and maybe even cross that line by putting their faith in you. We thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.